how to allow help is actually you loving yourself and saying you're worthy of love. So something I think that especially for women, because we tend to be, you know, fixers and uh, don't ask for help. But I think people in general, I mean, guys don't like to ask for directions, right? So I guess we all have our thing. <laughs> um, so, but I found myself this, this summer being in such a position of, of sadness that I had to have people help me. I had to have people hold me up. I had to, I had to allow people to take care of me and to help raise my energy. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm pretty intense. So this is my first uh, attempt here at a solo episode. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, it's funny, I didn't put this on the list. So, so, so I want to go through my 20 lessons of 2020. This is me being vulnerable, and it's that's actually a word I've been thinking about a lot this year, is the difference between transparency and vulnerability. And I think that we all have different ranges for that. So um, I would call myself someone that has a large amount of transparency. Like there's a lot about myself and what I'm willing to share that I'm very comfortable with. I just don't care. And then there's like, it takes to pretty far along the line till I get to the vulnerable spot where I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready to talk about that. So to me, this, this is actually me being vulnerable because I, it's not something very planned out. Um, and, you know, let's face it, lessons are never easy. So, uh, and with my ability to go on and on, we'll just see what comes out. <laughs> so, um, okay. So let's have at it. So these are in no particular order. Um, I was trying to, I was, I was trying to um, number them in, a, in an order, but it's hard and one kind of flows into the next sometimes. So I'm just going to, I just drew a line through halfway and we're just going to do the first 10. So um, 20 through 11, uh, lesson number 20. Uh, so intuition is real. Um, this is a lesson this year that I've learned um, as you know, I mean, we all have those feelings, right? We have those intuitions. We have those feelings about something and we're worried about it. And here's the thing. I feel like we tend to um, go into the ones that feel good and follow them and run with them. But the ones that feel bad or concerning or that you kind of don't want to admit we tend to, I tend to use my mind and go, mm, that's not real. Or like, mm, that's the worst thing I could tell myself. That's probably not true. And then, you know, through life, we find out that these things are at times. And so uh, I know this is something that we've all heard so many times, but it probably can't be reiterated enough is that I do believe we have an inner compass. We have like an inner lie detector system. Our soul knows the answer. Our higher self is trying to communicate with us. Um, and it's, it's really about getting good at hearing the no's and the concerns and the red flags uh, as much as you're getting those intuitions about like, oh, I think I should take this job. I should move to that house. I should do this or that. Like those are, those are easy. It's the ones that you don't want to hear that you 
need to listen to as well. And so for me this year, it's, it's been learning that and learning it through difficult things that, um, you just have to admit and, you know, it's a shortcut, right? Just take the, take the information. And, you know, it's on the other end of it, if somebody is uh, willing to be receptive to it and participate in the, in the confrontation or in the change or whatever it may be, uh, then it's a, you know, you, you've got the right people around you because the people that want you to stay the same are in a relationship with that old self and that old dynamic. So don't let that be your guide. Okay. Number 19, uh, no one holds the keys to your life. <laughs> so this came through, uh, you know, having heartbreak and going home and back to Indiana for a few months this summer. And I, I was realizing some patterns in my life and in relationships. And so I was looking for, I was looking for my parents to help sort of clarify those and like help fix those and apologize or, you know, explain something. And, you know, that was somehow going to resolve these issues and that I needed participation from someone to um, alchemize the situation and to um, heal it. And, you know, my therapist said one day on our call, she said at the end of it, <clears throat> No one holds any keys for you. And I was like, oh, and I kind of started crying and I was like, wow, that's, um, you know, that's a big responsibility. And she said, it is, but you don't have to do it alone. Like you have people that are here. I'm here for you. You're, you know, there are people here for you, but you getting to a better place with situations, like no one is going to just you know, open that door or close another, it's going to come from you and that no one holds the keys. And I was like, wow. And so a lot of this year has been about responsibility, accountability, accountability for myself and how I feel. And so that was one of them. Really, really a big one that day. It was like, no one holds any keys for you. I'm like, why not? <laughs> um, okay. Number 18. Uh, I won't starve to death if I don't eat. <laughs> Isn't that funny that I have to like have that or even write that down? Um, those who know me know I'm like super into food and I always have to have food around. And um, early, early this year um, in probably uh, it was uh, February, I had just gotten back to California and like, it was like, okay, let's, let's do a little fast. And so I decided to do one day, which turned into 36 hours. Cause you know, you've got the night before in the morning and like the, the nights between the day. So I called it 36 hours of just water. And what I realized was that, <clears throat> that my hunger would go in waves. Like it would, um, it, every, like every few hours I'd have a 45 minute hunger spike. And after 45 minutes, it would just go away. And I was like, wow, huh? that's interesting. And then also knowing, like sort of debunking the ideas about like, you know, you'll slow your metabolism down if you don't eat. At the end of the day, my good friend, Jordan Sia would say it. I interviewed him for my podcast. 
it's just calories in versus calories out. These things are not true. And that, um, and, and, and no one, no one didn't lose weight because they didn't eat frequently enough. Right. So it's just, it's just a math problem. Calorie deficit always wins if you want to lose weight. But anyway, um, the big point about this is I won't start to death if I don't eat. And so it doesn't actually get worse. You just have to ride that really punishing wave. Um, okay. Number 17, how to allow help is actually you loving yourself and saying you're worthy of love. So something I think that, especially for women, um, cause we tend to be, you know, fixers and, uh, don't ask for help. Um, but I think people in general, I mean, guys don't like to ask for directions. Right. So I guess we all have our thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I found myself this, this summer being in such a position of, of sadness that I had to have people help me. I had to have people hold me up. I had to, I had to allow people to take care of me and to help raise my energy. Um, and exhaust them. And I knew I was, but it was, it was necessary and, uh, I couldn't do it on my own. And so, um, and let's face it, think about when someone asks you for help and this is just like flipping the dynamic. It makes you feel really good. Like when someone says, can you help me with this? A lot of times you're like, sure. And it's an honor and, you know, it's a form of respect. And so uh, really also what it comes down to, too, is you believing that you're worthy of that. You're worthy of someone helping you. You're worthy of someone sacrificing for you. Um, and so I had to do a lot of that this year. And um, it really showed me how um, how much people loved me, even if I didn't do anything and even if I was draining on them. Like there's a season for everything and that you don't always have to be in a state of giving to keep a relationship going. You can receive too. And so, um, it was kind of me saying that I'm worthy of this, uh, sacrifice from someone. Uh, number 16, how to be the observer. This is a little bit more of a complicated concept, but the observer is, essentially being able to look past people's projections and see the true self. So what made me realize it was um, I was in this, I went home, like I said, to Indiana and I lived with my parents for three months. And when I was there, I was getting pulled into these old dynamics. And this is what happens, right? When we're with our family, we kind of get pulled into these old patterns and dynamics. And so, um, you know, I remember there was something where I made a comment and then my mom went and told my dad about it afterwards. And they kind of, it was like, felt like I was getting ganged up on. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then something happened with my mom and my dad came to her defense and was like, I think what your mom is trying to say. And I realized like I saw I, I, I was getting pulled into these dynamics and like quipping back and getting defensive a little bit. And 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 I it just didn't feel good either. And so <clears throat> as I'm shifting, I'm, I'm sort of recognizing in these two instances, because, again, I'm immersed in it because I'm home. Um, I'm recognizing this like incredible, like highly operating and functioning codependency system where they protect each other. And, 
and that's fine. It totally works. Um, and, but I realized that my participation in it and how, um, I didn't need to, it was their dynamic and it was their, it was, it wasn't about me. It was about them. And it was, um, I didn't need to get pulled into the energetics of it and to that old sort of defensiveness or protecting myself or justifying. And so being the observer is essentially being able to look above the situation uh, and being able to see the dynamic playing out that has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. Uh, that's just their way of operating. And so through that experience, I was then able to do a much better job the rest of the time. I'm able to be in this space a lot more when I see someone get triggered or project or shoot, even if I get triggered and I'm starting to see how this, we are not our wounds essentially is the, is the end of it. When someone has a reaction, they're being triggered into their wounds and they are not their wounds. They at a soul level are whole and wonderful and beautiful and love. And everybody at the core wants the same thing, right? Everybody wants to be um, happy and joyful. And, um, and so anything outside of that is not them. It is a wound. It is a trigger. Um, and it is something that happened to them at some point in their life where they're affected. So basically you have an, an instance happen um, that you then get a feeling from. So say there's some big trauma, say you got yelled at a lot as a kid. And so then you create this feeling in your body as a response to say, oh my God, that didn't feel good. I'm, I'm like, maybe you're a kid and you're anxious and you're scared. And so anytime someone starts yelling, you go back into that moment. It's like a, it's like an, it's like it marks that point in time. And, and so every event draws you back to that emotional moment and you get triggered. And that's why people act like kids sometimes. That's why they act immature. That's why they run away. They, they have, they can't talk. They, um, or they yell, right? So you learn your patterning from like how you, what happened in that moment. And so, um, so I just learned how to be the observer of situations and to see people's um, protective layer uh, as nothing that has to do with me. It's not personal. Almost everything that happens in life is really not about you. Um, however, everybody is giving you an indication of yourself. That's for another idea. Number 15, <clears throat> I learned how to feel my feelings. So a practice that was given to me earlier this year was to stop sporadically through the day. It was actually told me to do, do it every hour and like put your hand on your body and just kind of close your eyes and feel like, what are you actually feeling? Is it tightness? Is it, um, is it anxiety? Is it uh, sadness? Is it like, uh, what are you feeling? And, um, and so I learned to, you know, I started doing that and then, you know, it's pr pretty much been waterworks since then. So, uh, I actually had to choose my word after the summer. I was like, I'm not, I think I'm moving on from the word feel and I'm moving into feel joy. <laughs> so I had to re-clarify to the universe what I wanted. Um, but feelings are so important and they really are, um, 
they're an elevated awareness to situations. And so some people are better at it than others. Um, but I was not that great at feeling my feelings and slowing. It, it really in, in, involves slowing down. And I've done everything in my life so fast. And so um, I don't even like it when somebody takes a while to answer, like, do you want water? And they think about it. I'm like, just, I don't know, say the first word that comes to mind. Um, so just slowing down and allowing that pause that gives you more perspective to the situation. Um, so feel your feelings. 14, number 14, investing in friends. I had this great conversation with um, some friends uh, on a hike and it was about lessons that had been learned in life. And one of them was just the value of investing into friends. And so <clears throat> that kind of stuck with me. And I'd say that this year, especially with everything that, that went on and, uh, I, and leaning on people, there was, um, there was just a lot of checking in a lot of phone calls. And, and so I recognized just how much was given to me. And so, you know, there's a season for everything. And so every, so some people have needed that, needed that reciprocal love and attention, um, that maybe in the past I wasn't as good at making space for. So it actually plays into feeling the feelings and feeling for people, but, but investing into friends, investing into these relationships that are investing into you. And, um, you know, I, I would say that I used to, I have a lot of friends, but I maybe didn't. And, they, and like, I tend to have a lot of deep friendships, but or I have a few deep friendships and I don't really nurture the rest of them as much, but I, I would say this year I've done a much better job of, of really checking in and, and asking how other people are doing, um, a lot more. And so, uh, and what comes back is just more love. When you show love, you get the love. And so, uh, investing into friends, making time, sometimes it's a sacrifice, right? But guess what? Sometimes it's a sacrifice what they've done for you too. If you're, you know, calling bitching about something happening in your life. They might be busy, but they, but they're making that time. And so it's about, it's about making time for them too. And, um, and what you water grows. So, um, I feel like I've had a lot of friendships that have really, really grown and, um, and deepened even more. So, uh, so investing into friends. Number 13, uh, meditation is medication. So, I use the analogy of a roller coaster for meditation and that it's like you're at the bottom and you're clicking up to go to the top of the top of the first drop. And by the end of the day, you get pretty close, but the meditation element to life kind of resets your roller coaster. And so if you don't do it enough, then, you know, inevitably you kind of come out the other side of it and you you know, you're, you're on the downslide and then you're just hanging on for dear life. And you're on an emotional roller coaster. And you're just kind of like, you don't even, you don't have a, it's not, you need a reset and you're instead you're on this ride, just holding on for dear life instead of controlling it, instead of having patience and being able to pause. There's no pause when you're, you know, flipping upside down on a ride. Right. So, um, you know, meditation has been something that I've finally done on a regular basis for probably I started in maybe June, um, late June, I finally started. So it's been a really beautiful time 
sometimes I have all kinds of different rituals in it. I'll pull cards, I'll burn certain things, I'll have certain oils, I will meditate, I will do breathing app, breathing exercises, I will do soul dialoguing either in in my head or on paper and journal. Sometimes I journal. So again, it's about kind of a dedicated space and practice to, um, you know, uh, resetting, getting things out and um, clearing your mind. It's kind of, it's just, it's an emotional reset. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, there's even some science behind the chemicals when you do enough of this, it's like natural Valium. So, um, if that is something of interest to people, maybe start meditating. Um, okay. Number 12 boundaries and what the hell they are. <clears throat> okay. So I didn't have, I mean, I always thought that boundaries were something that, uh, was for other people to you. And instead what I've learned is that boundaries are for yourself in relationship to others. So it's not about don't cheat on me. It's not about don't lie to me. It's not about don't steal from me. It's about your own boundaries that help you navigate relationships and which ones you should be in and not in and what you're willing to put up with and what you're not. So there also is a layer of needing enough self-worth to create them. You need to believe that you're worth those boundaries more. You are worth more you are the most valuable element in the situation. And if you, you have to honor yourself enough to stick with those boundaries. Um, and in response, what happens is that you get people that honor those, you, they, you get it in the, the same in return. If you don't have boundaries, then they're not going to, there's nothing to follow. There's no, they don't, they don't treat you the way that you want to be treated. Um, so boundaries, boundaries are just, the, they're just something I just never had. And so um, I realized that I, I needed to be alone to learn them. I needed to understand what I was worth, what I was willing to put up with, and just what I, how I wanted to feel and getting control of your own energy and how you feel without interference um, to know where like um, home base is. How many people out there don't really know what their home base is, how they want to, how they feel emotionally when there's nothing pulling, nothing pushing, nothing, nothing poking. Um, I think that's really hard and I can, I can absolutely understand how hard it is. Life gets to you, family, friends, uh, children. I mean, these, some of these I have, some of them I don't, um, but, uh, but life keeps happening. And so like understanding who you are uh, at your core without anything else has been super important for me. So yeah. And just that element of like boundaries being something that I have for other people versus I have for other people, like something that they need to not do. It's something that I need to not do. I need to know when to walk away from a situation because it's not me staying in integrity to myself and what I feel like I deserve. Okay. Uh, and number 11, um, this is honestly number one overall, but based on just drawing a line here and reading these off, 
Um, and so of course I reversed my top 10 because I was like, well, let's at least make this the last one I do, but this has been the biggest one. So I, the pattern that I was trying to, uh, understand was being in relationships where I wasn't chosen. And, you know, that had happened in the last two. And I was like, okay, I, I don't need a third to create an actual, a, a pattern here. I've done this with, this has happened twice. Someone doesn't choose me. What is the problem? I am a common denominator. And so what I had, what I realized was that the lesson was that I was supposed to choose myself. So the lesson in wanting someone to choose me is that I was supposed to be choosing myself. Um, I'm a fixer. And I came home and I was like, you know, I ended up learning that, um, you know, I didn't remember a lot from my childhood. Like, I don't know why, but, you know, my first 10 years, I don't remember a ton. And then, and so one thing I learned about that was that I, dad worked a lot. And so he was gone during the week and just on the weekends, he'd be home. And a kid doesn't know that this is all for the right reasons. They just don't know consistency. And so it creates an abandonment wound where they're afraid of being abandoned. And so, you know, you're not, you're not, you're a kid, you don't know what's going on. So uh, that began, which is an anxious attachment um, style um, cause you're afraid of being abandoned. So you're anxious that someone's going to leave. And then when I started remembering things was when I was about 10 and that's when I started racing. And so we go to the racetrack and, you know, I love my father and I've probably got, honestly, he's responsible for so many wonderful aspects of me, but, um, he would yell at me and I found out pretty much every weekend. And, uh, and so then I said to mom, what do we do to fix that? And she said, we gave in. And I was like, oh, and it was like, I realized then I'm a fixer because of that, like, how did we, how did I keep my dad around? Cause I was afraid that he was going to leave because I was afraid of being abandoned. I fixed things. So now in every relationship I go, I don't want them to leave. So I fix things. And you lose yourself, you lose your, uh, you lose your um, sense of self, you lose your sort of autonomy as a, as a person. Um, and um, there are no boundaries then. So in that, I realized the dynamics that made me not choose myself. And so all of that effort that I put in to someone else, I now realized was meant for me. And so honestly, that is the greatest lesson of, of 2020 for me is that, uh, and this is why everyone out, everyone is showing you something about yourself. When I wasn't chosen, the, the message is you're not choosing yourself. It's like, you know, I mean, we're going to get into some of the other things that get, you know, that get into aspects of this concept a little deeper, but um, but everything is, is a mirror for us. And that's a complicated concept. Um, but maybe by the end of these 20 things, there'll be a bit more of an understanding for some of what that is. But um, <clears throat> something that I wanted, I, was, I needed to give to myself. Because again, going back to one of these other ones, no one holds the keys. Like no one holds the keys for, these, for, for this 
yearning that you have. So um, you have to give it to yourself. Um, so, okay. So that's 20 through 11 and <laughs> we'll be back next week for 10 through one of the top 20 lessons of 2020. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.